Happy New Year. Hey. <laughs> hey, Wes. Hey, Darlene. Uh, here we are at BWT, and we're wishing everyone a happy new happy year. Happy new year. Or. Happy new decade. Happy. End of new, a decade. End of a decade. Both. Happy new decade. It's kind of exciting to end and start fresh. I mean, yeah. that book is closed. <laughs> that, <laughs> that book, book is, is closed, closed, right? That report is over. Yeah. Yes. And now it's time kind of for reflection. It's kind of what today's yeah. episode is. Yeah. Uh, so BWT is going to cover lessons that we've learned over the decade reflecting from a point of view of wellness um and so what are those points of views yeah so i I thought we could cover you know some social topics some emotional topics or lessons physical um intellectual and spiritual and then occupational or that has to do with your work and Mm -hmm, your mm -hmm. satisfaction with what you're doing with your career yeah and it's not we didn't just come up with all of these uh categories that's right you've used this before yeah i've used this uh in our um with our students we have like an advisement class and we um we work on wellness Mm -hmm. and uh my colleague uh came up first um will we like how do you how do you fix or what are we going to talk about how are we going to divide these things up as the uh lesson go on and um we found a wheel mm-hmm. on the internet yeah the wellness wheel. the wellness wheel and it's a well-known uh, yeah it's well-known trope. psychologists use it uh counselors counselors i think this particular one we borrowed is from anchor point counseling ministry uh so anyway uh just so you know where that comes from and you can use it at any point in your life in your day in your jobs it helps i think to kind of um yeah. assess it's a good mm-hmm. assessment tool for yeah. where you are and how you feel and um, what improvements you want to make uh, in your life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so having said that. Um, Ooh, it's, uh, it's officially it? season three. This is oh, our first okay. podcast okay, uh, episode okay. of season three. And good, we good, just good. want to say thanks for joining and leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Yep. And that helps support the podcast and helps us keep the conversation going. You can write to us on Twitter. Uh, your Twitter handle is... Darlene Creasel, I'm pointing at you, but I'll fill in the blank. Thanks. Maya's Wes Creasel. And just, you know, connect with us. Give us suggestions, comments, feedback. We'd love it. Yes, we do. And um, let's Let's kind of jump into this. Um, uh, So let's start with the first category, uh, which is random. We decided what we're going (laughs) to start with social. Um, Okay, so, um, so socially, I think over this decade, I think one of the most prominent um, uh, things that have, has happened culturally for me as an African-American is the realization after uh, Trayvon Martin um, died in Florida in 2012. He was killed. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, basically murdered. And then his subsequent twa- trial and um, how George Zimmerman, the murderer, um, basically was set free. And yeah. was, he was able to just move about um, in the world uh, as he wished, while Trayvon Martin, uh, you know, he didn't get that. He didn't get to defend himself. He didn't get to say, hey, this is actually what happened. It was all about the person that survived what happened. And then I realized, oh, so the stuff that the civil rights movement did, that wasn't a permanent fix. It, uh, there was so much work to do. Um, the the pain of realizing that uh, there were people that we knew even in our church that believed that this boy who was walking away with no weapon um, just merely because he looked a certain way was enough for them to justify this man killing him. 
Yeah. I, yeah, I was I, like astounded, and that it, it crushed me. It, yeah. it literally crushed me. I mean, I remember specifically the quote somebody wrote on Facebook: "Trayvon Martin is a thug." I mean, he's dead. Yeah. Why are you calling him? And like he was a teenager. Like that's literally like you're talking bad about somebody who died. Yes. Um, it was so trashy, <laughs> and yeah. that was somebody from our church. Yeah. And I was like, why would you demean this person and attack them? It was just mind-bogglingly uh, shocking. Mm-hmm, but so mm-hmm. I remember that, and then I remember there was kind of the hoodie, like, oh, he had a hoodie on. Yeah, there was all this like, respectability yeah. uh, language around, well, he deserved his own death. Like, he deserved for this yeah. man to... So, I mean, many of you already re- um, remember this, and so rehashing it is not necessarily a thing we have to do. But I think um, all of that that surrounded that um, that event... Um, changed and it was kind of pivotal for me for the deck. Mm. I mean, for the entire decade and yeah. probably for the rest of my life. I'm like, oh, I need to be doing more because what my parents did, um, it definitely wasn't the the solution. Right. And I realized, like, as an '80s child, uh, that we lived sort of in a bubble. And some of that, like, I mean, I think of Lorraine Hansberry and the Raisin in the Sun and the whole thing about the American Dream. A lot of black people or black families, at least the one I grew up in, um, what their goal was to have the American dream and to leave all that racism behind. And so we were raised in that kind of context where uh, it was about getting a house. It was about having, having these things Mm -hmm. that made you look a certain way um, so that it, it, it made us seem like we had achieved and we were equal and we were good enough. That's why I was wondering, did you feel like your parents or you, was it like, Oh, the American dream has, been achieved or was that kind of a false sense of security like or was it always there's an awareness that there's a gap i think uh for for me i never thought about the american dream as such until i became an adult i just lived Mm. as a a kid growing up i mean we were aware of races we were aware of racist acts um so this is my household there were other households like i you know i'm adopted and so my my uh the uh the family i was raised with um, they they were kind of the American dream, I think, group, you know, and just were kind of trying to, um, you know, I don't think they were thinking too hard about, like, political politics or those yeah. things. They were trying to take care of their family. Right. And in that, they were like, oh, we need this, 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 and this. So that's what I, what I grew yeah. up in. Uh, my, my sister, she grew up with um, my birth mother, who was definitely part of the movement and, right. and did all sorts of things to, to try to, to right the wrongs. Um, and so they had a lot of that talk yeah. as she was growing up uh, that I never did. But at the same time, you know, the parents I grew up with were still in a time where racism was a thing. And so they were like like most black people, my, most minorities or people of color um, were sort of fighting injustices within their lives. Yeah. No matter if they wanted to or not. Yeah. But the message at home was different between me and my sister and that's interesting because uh same family but you know separated um at both african-american but different messages and different mm-hmm. emphasis and almost like different distances or alignments with like the struggle out of the civil yeah, rights definitely, movement definitely so that that's interesting and i wonder so that and that's part of our nation's history is you have different yeah. african-american communities with different levels of um, 
connection or yeah. like taking up the mantle of the civil rights movement. Yeah. But I, what I hear you saying is like 2012 brought that back. Like, the, oh, that struggles. It's here. It's Yeah. It and I felt been. angry at myself for allowing whoever had been doing it to do it mm. without uh, my, you know, being a part of it and just meet my assumptions of things. Because, you know, you... When you grow up and things are pretty okay, you think that things are pretty okay outside yeah. of your bubble, and that that's not that's not the case. And and and, um, and I think there's that element too that you know you were things were better, mm. but the struggle had to be con- constant and yeah. consistent, and you couldn't be behind rose-colored glasses. But yeah. many of us were. And so when these laws started passing that were coded racist laws, like yeah. that stand your ground, who's that going to affect in right. the, the law? That's going to affect people of color because they're the ones that are going to get shot and then it's going to get justified. And then I would imagine if they had a weapon and they shot someone else, a white person, I don't know what the outcome would be. So the law yeah. is never in favor of the person of color. So all those things came to light in 2012, and that was kind of a pivotal point. My realization is that... Yeah, I was like, what did you learn? Like, what what was it? Well, I think I kind of been touching on it. Like, you can't be... Don't be asleep. You know, mm. the, the, the word that's overused and probably abused at this point is be woke. Um, I think that means just have this awareness that you have work to do and that you're not supposed to live in fear, but you are supposed to live with the idea that... Um, the progress on race is something that's probably going to go on until after I'm dead because the country started on that premise. We started race, you know? Um, So I think that's one of the things that is certainly a pivotal time for me. I just want to affirm that I was on the journey with you when you started to do community events that were straightly you know back in the face of what was happening in the nation yeah and i don't know if you want to talk about that intellectual area that we have about your arts events but that's to me you you didn't sleep through it and you yeah. did make efforts and you did um so i don't know if you want to talk about well, it's that, interesting because i think like reviewing our decade over the decade um one of the things i've learned is that i i have a certain uh bandwidth on, on how much and how long I can like kind of tolerate um, either fighting for something. <laughs> I mean, it, that sounds contradictory, but I mean, like um, a lot of things have happened. A lot of movements have happened yeah. in this decade. And I think uh, artists and, and activists realizing what their bandwidth is and what, it, what kind of personality they have to deal with... Um, you know, topics mm. and injustice, you have to be kind of aware of that and then not beat yourself up when you're not doing what so-and-so is doing or, mm. or this person is doing. So for me, and I, I know I want to do more and I should be doing more. Um, but on top of that, you got to deal with whatever is happening in your family and right. you know, that's just the day to day, your job. And so for me, um, the events that they, they were something, they were, they were a way for me to give, to give back well, and to give artists a voice. So the event, yeah. the first event was um, came out of um, a, a Facebook friend, Metasama, and I decided to start a Facebook group called Artists Against uh, Police Brutality, cultures or Cultures of, of Violence, yeah. actually, which included police brutality. And then from that, we had made a, um, 
a promise that we would get artists together um, in an effort to give mm. them space to speak out against yeah. this. And so, Which you did. yeah, the, the first event yeah. I did was in Riverside at the Back to the Grind. It was and we 2014. Had 2014. Yeah. Um, and it, it, was, it went great. And I we mean, had, my so friends, you know, my po poet friends, and writers, my writer friends, and um, my, my cousin came Congressman out. Mark Takano was there. Uh huh. Yes. And so um, that was the first event. Then we, we, we moved out of Riverside and we came to Orange County. And then there were there was at least one event within that first year that we did along yeah. the similar lines. Mm -hmm. And then um, we kind of changed the themes around, but um, they were usually always centered on social justice. And we right. did some within our church, um, at least two events. So uh, I'd say in the last since 2014, yeah, we've we've done those yeah. events, and the, and we're still doing it because we've yeah. started um, our Rhino Baby Productions, uh, which we want to. Uh, that what? Well, you define what? Yeah, do you that's. I mean, actually, the first event in Riverside, we had a live uh, visual artist there. She painted, and that painting was of a, a baby in like a rhino uh, onesie, a blanket. Yeah, yeah. It was like the the idea is like here's this delicate inner child but we'll soon need um tough skin to handle the things the world's gonna throw at exactly. it exactly and it was just awesome how she painted what the speakers were talking about in their pieces uh -huh. and that's something that you've always brought to these and i think it's a value we have for these events is having music and spoken word and readings and visual art and you're connecting art artists across those genre lines mm -hmm. um and so Rhino Baby Press was started back then. We published um, the works that people read in an online forum. And and now we're starting uh, Rhino Baby Productions into yes. 2020, which is going to help uh, co continue this work and do these uh, community arts events. Um, so, yes. yeah, and yeah. I was yeah. I was a part of it. I'm kind of like usually the MC. No, and, yeah, you um, are a big part of it because I yeah. think because we're teachers, you bring that element of inter interactive, uh, like inclusion with the mm -hmm. audience. And I think one of the things that's so kind of brilliant about you being there is that oh. you send that message that this is not um, a thing where you're you're sitting out and you're just listening. You're for all of us to make a difference. Yeah. We all have to be a part. And so even if you're in the audience, how can we interact and be a part of this yeah. this change? Yeah. And as a white man, I have to stand up and talk about these issues, yeah. about police brutality, and um, and not be silent and not just be um, a passive participant. Right. Um, right. And I think we I think we've tried really hard to um, uh, send a message that you understand what it is to be a white man in America and what that privilege looks like and um, what the responsibility of white people are in this um, movement to try to um, bring light to justice. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, that to me connects with doing BWT with you is uh, the boat. We're together vlog on YouTube and podcast. Like when I look at that intellectual work, mm -hmm. it's been a, a great decade though a challenging decade yeah because we started bwt because of the 2016 presidential election we sure did and we could talk about that was pivotal as well yeah, so that you had, was huge it was just like a, a continuum um, of um, it was like on that continuum continuum of um, understanding that racism is a real thing yeah. and that white supremacy is something that um is not gonna has never gone away yeah. And um, 
and then it, 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 it just became like uh, like we had to do something to put not necessarily like we're gonna be famous I never thought that and I knew that yeah. you know I'm I'm me and in we know our sphere of influence so to speak yeah. but I think it it was just along those lines like it's our responsibility to put something positive into um, this universe yeah. and, <laughs> and don't you feel like the the presidential election was kind of this like uh, large cultural endorsement of one narrative over the other and yes. then what we saw the administration doing was undoing all the things Obama had done. Yeah. Um, and like then, that seemed to be more of a goal than actual policies. It's, yeah. You and, know, and change of his own. in a direction. It was more the undoing of. And mm-hmm. BWC came out of this refusal to be silent. And yeah. We're an interracial couple. And yeah. things in the last 50 years have changed from a legal standpoint where we couldn't even be married you know, 52 years ago or whatever mm-hmm, it is. Mm-hmm. And so speaking out and just telling our story was one way of um, resisting. Or, it was like definitely yeah. a way of resisting, of showing love and uh, across the aisle, so to speak, you know, because even though yeah. this is, it's fairly easy for us, uh, there are many, many people who feel like, oh my gosh, how is it married to a black woman or how is it married to yeah. a white guy? And, you know... Um, there are things that we bring to light, I think, that, that yeah. are part of our relationship, but so much of it is is just living in love, you know. Yeah, and I do think the one lesson, like creating together with you, BWT, that's, that's an experience, but the lesson I've learned out of that is really, um, it's one of, I, I want to say the word forgiveness, but like we fought so much when we got into these creative struggles or, or things mm-hmm. like I'm trying to film something and you're like yeah. directing me to yeah. the contents, not right. Yeah. Emotionally. It definitely um, was a, but we're together, um, theme. Like yeah. that was real, not, and we thought it was more for the public, but it was actually, <laughs> um, it was for us to understand, Hey, but we're together. Yeah. And so how are we going to work this out? Which yeah. is a, what we, what we as a nation, um, need to yeah. do. We're together, so how are we going to work this out? And whose voice is most important? Like everybody's right. voice is important, right? You know, and you can't like you're the editor, and I don't know how to edit as well, and so you do that. But that doesn't mean that you c- you edit and change the narrative, right? Right. And so I think those. Um, and it's even before editing, it's it's uh, threatening to squash something before we even create it. Oh, we've done it, and oh, we've yeah. done things like yeah. we're we're like you know, and I I don't want to do that because there's always a because. You, yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. so much about life. Period. Like there's always a reason not to do something, you know. But what what is it? What's your commitment? You know. Yeah. So I think that the lesson is something how to be, how to seek like a humble position. Yes. When you're trying to create something you're passionate about, because that passion can get tied to ego. Yeah. And then so so how do you yeah. honor somebody else? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's yeah, I think together. that's your message because you feel sort of some sort of way with me. And I think oh, for, for me sure. I think for me it's also ego and it's like make sure that when you're saying yes or no, it's for the right reasons. Mm. So and I think the ego is part of that. If I say no, it needs to be because okay, this needs to be talked about more before we just get out there and do it. Right. Not because, um, what would be a bad reason? 
I just don't want You're you to pure. see my you hair. You don't have bad reasons. <laughs> no, I don't want to look bad. <laughs> um, you know, I put a girdle on, I guess, if I don't look bad. But if I don't like the way I look. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, have the right motivation. But don't don't stop the struggle because of your ego or because of the yeah. wrong reasons. And I, I think that's a valuable piece of lesson, a uh, piece of advice that we could give ourselves and to anyone else. Yeah. All right. So just a little recap. We talked about, we started out with the social thing around um, police brutality and mm-hmm. Trayvon Martin. And then we talked about our intellectual, kind of some of the work we've done with arts events and on the vlog and the podcast. Yeah. Um, what area do you want to talk about next? Spiritual, physical? we got some other good ones. Uh, you pick one. work. Okay. All right. Well, I think this is a really good segue, honestly. The emotional, mm. um, we played this game, and this was the, the scenario that brought up the lesson. But we played this game called Hate, Deny, Regret. Yeah. And it's like you have to do it when you're really on good speaking terms with your spouse. And you each share something you hate about the relationship, something you, you deny about the relationship, or something you, you regret. And one of the in, uh, outcomes of that is I had this moment where I said, I, I deny I'm the problem all the time. I deny that I'm really the problem. I'm not taking responsibility. And this had to do with like driving, like, yeah. like I'll be a bad driver and you'll say something and then I'll go, no, I, I wasn't doing that. And by um, bad, I mean, I had bad driver, you know, like I'm uncomfortable. I think even, even if your perception is that you're doing pretty well, but then like you have, you, you're hurting someone. Yeah, and they're going, hey, I'm not uncomfortable. Yeah. And you're like, well, you don't need to be uncomfortable, and I'm fine. I think that that is something that, you know, has to be looked at. <laughs> yeah, and this is a common uh, – people all over, couples all over have this shared experience of feeling uncomfortable while their spouse is driving. And since we've brought this up, since I, I had – I'm going to say I had this breakthrough mm-hmm. where I could um, – and the, the key phrase is where I could live more honestly yeah. and really own that, yes, I'm doing something that makes you uncomfortable, and I can say I'm sorry and I'm going to change in this way. Yeah. That was leading a more honest life, and then that means I can take better care of you mm-hmm. and I have less stress. And so that kind of living in denial – uh, just like let's say it's just around um, driving, like yeah. just pick one thing yeah. that you know couples do all the time together: drive somewhere in the car. Mm-hmm. That can be much more, uh, much more healthy place. Yeah. Is to is to take that ownership. Yeah, um, and I think that you bring up that that idea of being honest is has to be a theme that we can take for the throughout the rest of our lives. Because I mean, as a writer, it's been something that I've had to do. Um, and it puts you in a very uncomfortable place, you know, yeah. because most of the time we're lying and it's like a cultural thing. Mm. We just lie because we want to protect ourselves, Dang. you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you could. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was talking to my sister about this. I, basically, we're very comfortable uh, denying things because yeah. then, you know, you don't have the work. You don't have to do the work. Right, <laughs> right. Um, and it's easier. And you're, you know, it's you could. Ride the the wave, I guess, throughout life, and be and and be comfortable living on the surface. But to live deeply is is work, you know. And I think um, I appreciate that you said that being in denial is something that you do. 
and then like I was afraid. I'm like, I don't know if people change, you know. I'm like, he he says this and he knows this, but can he actually change? Especially, you know, you've lived this way. Um, your parents were probably very comfortable with, you know, this is the way it is. I don't need to tell you everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. We grew up with certain things too. So I was like, well, how is he actually gonna change? And there were there's been oh my gosh, there's been plenty of times where you in the car where things seemed the same and right. I was still uncomfortable. Right. And then lo and behold, it was like God snapped <laughs> you around and said, no, you're going to be have this perspective now. Like we're on the way to Victorville to do uh, some the thing for that team yeah. World vision launch. And you're, you're like, oh, I could drive this way. And I was like, that's the good way. What other way have you been driving? But tell me what you did because and, and it's been so different. And I'm like, is he and I'm waiting for the moment that you stop doing it. But it's been so different, and I and I live in comfort. My my heart just pumps at a regular rate, no, at a regular rate no, you, in the car. And I'm like, how is this even possible? You know, it's gonna sound crazy if I try to explain it, but but I like I'm a visually oriented person as a photographer, and I just I look at things all the time. Like when I'm driving, to me, it's a show that I'm watching, and that's competing with. It being, you know, a responsibility of, uh, you know, handling the operations of the vehicle. Mm -hmm. And so I like to look at the sunset and the birds and the trees and the mountains and the signs and the people. So I'm always looking around. But that interferes with my ability to keep the car straight in the lane, (laughs) just to be honest. So when we were driving to Victorville, I had remembered that I used to do this game where I line up like the corner of the windshield with the lane line. Because this is obviously a theme from years ago. And I had played this game to keep the car straight in the lane. And I started, I remembered that suddenly. I don't know why. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to just play that game. Because I (laughs) want you to be comfortable. I'm not going to look at anything else. Uh, And so, and we all know, it's so true. I am not alone because people are dying out there because they're looking at their cell phones. Oh, and people are driving yeah. terrible these days. Yeah. I mean, we're looking on the so, sides behind us, everything, and people are just really, it's kind of a dangerous place. It yeah. is like a video game. So I just dedicated myself to, like, I'm going to do my best to play this game, and and then I just kind of checked in with you every so often, like, how am I doing? Yeah. And, um, it's just a real thing, people. It's we a really real thing. Had a, and and I still don't change. understand how, yeah, and people can change. Goes, how come... <laughs> How can you not have been driving like this all along? And what was your mo? What was I'm like? Because driving to me is like a, a. Yeah, I know. You tell me. It's a sport. Time. Like yeah. you need to be like. Me too. Like it's no, because <laughs> if you cared about the sport, you would be like, oh, I'm gonna be in the middle of the lane, and then making that turn. That turn. Yeah. There's a certain like. See, but let's say it's baseball. If it was a, a, I was at bat and I got a single. And I hit it into the outfield. I'm running to first base. You talking about it being a sport is running the first base as fast as you can. Me, I'm going to look into the stands and see all oh, the sights no. along the way. You can't be on the team. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> Next topic. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm so anyway, um, so people do change in that denial. And then I think the denial was related to uh, white supremacy, too, and just like colonization and people being in, in slavery and all that stuff that has to do with the... Uh, the groundwork that was laid when America first came. Only say to this: be. it what? doesn't not have a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Like, can you yes. double negative? You double negative, yeah, dummy. It doesn't not have a relationship. Yeah, you know, we stay in denial about yeah. stuff. So that that just means everything. And um, anyway, yeah, I appreciate that discussion. I think one of the emotional, uh, just switch over to me and what was emotional yes. for me. So I have this son. I have three sons, and one of them um, lived lives at home with me, and um, this ties into emotional and kind of spiritual too. But we were really worried because he was um, having a lot of um, setbacks. Like he would start school and then he wouldn't do well. He would try his best to, uh, he would do something like, oh, I'm going to start classes. And he would take too many. And then he would have a class that would start at 8 a.m. when he doesn't like to get up early or at the time he didn't. And so he like had a series of setbacks and um, it kind of affected his self-esteem a lot. I'm just guessing on why he was in the room playing video games for a whole year. You know, I mean, but there's a whole lot of stuff that kind of like he was more comfortable in that setting than making that effort to go out and really look for work or whatever it was that was going to help him mature. But then lo and behold, and I I mean, lo and behold is is just really it because, you know, it wasn't me. Um, Well, let me back up. I think I was like, I think we have to be patient because I know that I think I'm being told to be patient. Right. And um, it was really hard being sensitive spiritually. Yes. There's no concrete evidence. No. To be patient. No. (laughs) All the evidence says we should be mad. Mad and um, and, aggressive and um, super pushy. And we did, of course, have our pushy moments or whatever. But we wouldn't act on it. We wouldn't say you have to do this or this. We wouldn't give ultimatums. Right. Um, And then, um, lo and behold, he ended up getting a job. Yeah. Um. Thank, I mean, it's not just like the job fell out of the sky. So this is the other thing. He he's um, he doesn't like to interview. Well, no one does. But, I mean, he would have serious uh, anxiety about it. And then with Disneyland, because it was kind of this low-tier um, job, they hire people over the phone. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, my God, God gave us this him this opportunity, this door open, where um, he didn't have to go in and interview face-to-face. And then the and so he um, completed the initial, um, you know, requirements Process, yeah. o- over the phone, and then went in and eventually got hired. He spent like a year, I think, yeah. kind of doing this grunt work at this at, at, at Disneyland. And not very many hours a week. Either. Not very many hours. A few times he wanted to quit. Um, he had a couple of jobs in between to make up for income. But then, like, fast forward, after a year, he gets moved to another um, location in, within Disneyland, and um, he gets full-time work. Yeah. And he's happy, and he's um, just a completely different person. Yeah. Um, and so this thing about him being able to actually take care of himself, I mean, he, he had reached the point where he wasn't going to be on our insurance anymore. And um, and then he, at that moment, right when everything seemed like, oh, my, it's, it's now or nothing, you yeah. know, uh, he ends up getting full-time work and he's a completely different person with an attitude of like getting, I mean, he's getting up at 5 a.m. And that wasn't yeah. what he would want to do at all before. He had oh, a hard yeah. time. So, I mean, I'm just so thankful. That was an emotional like burden that was lifted. Yeah. Um, and I just, it was notable. Like, I'm like, why am I so light on my feet? Oh, yes, he's yeah. working full-time. I concur with you on every single aspect of that story. But I guess I, what I wonder is what, so patience is one of the themes but what's the lesson like i mean how did you know because i kind of took i kind of followed your lead i feel like and and Uh, and we talked and you're like we just we have to 
wait. It's not right to give an ultimatum. Well, I think like be be faithful, like believe in what you know, and then listen to what God says. And if whatever that is for you, you know, um, if you feel like it's your gut, you know, telling you I need to be patient with this. And then also, you know, there's a pattern like I raised him. And so I knew that okay, this is where his maturity level usually ends up. And at mm. this particular point, he usually begins to turn around. I mean, significantly, not just a little bit. Yeah. And so I was like, don't let the, what it what society tells you mm-hmm. dictate how you're going to treat your kids or your yeah. family. Yeah. And so I think that that might be the lesson is you don't you don't have to listen to listen to the right voice. Yeah. And I think part of that is you I remember you one have a value of storytelling with the family hey remember when this remember when we lived in arkansas and remember this and then you started to actually tell jonathan remember when things were hard for you and this way you broke through and you Mm -hmm. started to kind of make sure you retold him how he triumphed over and over and over in his past Mm. and i was i thought that was particularly like yeah it was a truth you saw about him and you had faith and patience but you're also planting and watering those seeds or that vision for yeah, him yeah. Uh, in his spirit. So yeah, I really thought that was... Yeah, that's good. I didn't yeah. remember that necessarily, but I mean... Oh, yeah. Um, it's it's not easy. It's not easy when you have these young adult children in this particular rural, or especially in California, maybe when financially you're like, well, how are these people ever going to break out on their own, you yeah. know? Um, so for him to do that was really an emotional and spiritual um, uplift for me. Uh, and for A- us, I'm Amen. sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, so what else? What else? What else? Uh, well, we could talk about the. Uh, we have a dog. <laughs> we have a dog named Liza, and we used to have two dogs, mm-hmm. and so one died. One died. Popey, this decade, rest in peace. Popey died 2017, and he had these symptoms where he, his hind legs didn't work that good. He couldn't walk that well, and and so it just made sense to to have him put to sleep. But lo and behold, not that long after that, the second dog, Liza, starts showing symptoms that look the same. Mm-hmm. And we went to the same vet and got the same advice. There's nothing you can do. But then that's not where that ended. And so this this piece is about kind of like physical well-being, but it's through our dogs, but it's a lesson we learned. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think the thing that stuck with me as we we're preparing for this is you were kind of recounting that you were sharing about your sorrow at, at work, I think, about mm-hmm, like the situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then somebody gave you some insight or input that yeah. changed the, the and narrative. And now I, I, it doesn't matter. She can do no wrong. <laughs> 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 because I was like sharing about how my dog, um, it, uh, she was sick and we didn't know if we were going to have to put her down. And um, it was also about money. Like the one vet was like, well, we could do this, but we have to farm out the equipment and yeah. something. <laughs> I was just like, what? I can't pay that much, yeah. you know? Um, and so I was sharing that with someone at work um, and she told me to try her vet. Yeah. And um, because I said, you know, the other dog, he, he was older. And so we kind of thought it was about him getting older and then yeah. things were just going downhill. But this dog was not. Um, I mean, she was getting older, but the thing was so sudden. It just, I could just see that it was a little, it was different. Yeah. Um, and she was super vibrant like a week before, two weeks before. So I went to the this other vet and got a second opinion. And uh, he ran some tests, which were like in one package. And so the price wasn't outrageous. Mm-hmm. And then from there, he's like, oh, she has, I think it was Cushing's disease. Um, yeah. Anyway, and he prescribed medication and she's re- doing really well. She's doing great. Yeah. And so like that, that told me something about what we 
should do in I guess with medical situations yeah. in general like I mean, you need just, to have yeah. like a second opinion and sharing your story with someone else so it yeah. depended on community it sure did for insight yes. and yeah then, um, and I do stuff uh, I'm really like I that community piece I definitely need to work on because I tend mm. to be isolated sometimes because I I you know whatever reasons you know we have our reasons um or comfort levels yeah. Um, and you don't want to share like your bad stuff necessarily. Yeah. But um, or overshare. Or just overshare. Yeah. We, we get to this, this uh, idea that you know we have to keep our troubles to ourselves or be private people. Right. Um, but yeah, that was good. You did share yeah, that, and yeah. she offered some resources that really changed our whole family's life. Uh-huh. You know. And yeah, Liza's because doing Liza's great. doing really, really well. Uh, you know. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think that that's something. That what was that under, honey? Uh, so that's under the physical well-being, and oh, I think yeah, the yeah, takeaway yeah. is we could take extrapolate the same lessons for our own health as, you know, like needing to advocate for. You know, I have to get that screening and colonoscopy because my dad passed away from colon cancer. Like these are things that that I have to do, and we just have to be prepared to. Not be alone on this journey, but connect with community, look, ask for resources, get second opinions, and it's just part of oh, uh, yeah, that journey. Definitely uh, yeah. con- correlating correlation between what we did with the dog and what we should be doing with ourselves and our health. Um, and then the second part, the physical uh, health. Well, I mean, for me, I yeah, don't what'd know. You have? Uh, it's just getting <laughs> older. It's like, dang, dude, this is. So just getting older is like a big deal when it comes to weight and and what you can do and what you can eat and what you look like and mm. you know and, and being in denial is so fun because you mm. just be eating mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it, you know and it catches up to you. So um, I say about three or four years ago, I felt like I'm like oh wow. When we moved to Orange County, like in 2014. Yeah. I really saw like, oh, this weight thing is becoming an issue, but I wasn't, I was doing Team World Vision, which is running for clean water, and I would do that training, but even that training wasn't enough to combat what was happening <laughs> with my yeah. food, my eating habits, yeah. I guess, and just yeah. um, just getting older and what your body, what your body goes through. So then Juhi, um, the, the wife of Don Lee, uh, which is, um, you know, they're all the Team World Vision family. She was like, "Oh, I'm going to this uh, place, yeah. this, and it's so good." And um, and I trusted her because she looked different. Yeah. And um, anyway, so long story short, I joined the gym after I visited it, and I liked the people were super nice, and they were more my age, and it wasn't like a gym rat type of situation yeah. <laughs> where you're just like, "Oh, these people are strange" because they're, ah! you know, just <laughs> frantically working out and bone, uh, veins popping out and stuff. So. I joined the gym and I really like it. And it's 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 boot camp, but it's not. A, I don't know. It actually is really hard. They don't assume you can't do anything because your age. I mean, yeah. it's definitely hard, yeah. um, but it's effective. And I go. It's a routine of mine. So, um, yeah. what's the lesson? What's my lesson is like uh, there is something out there for you physic to do physically mm. that that you'll be able to want to do. I mean, I hope. I don't yeah. know about that. Honestly, and honestly, you if think? you looked at the I mean, this was this year, 2019. So the prior uh, nine years of the decade, you you were running. I was and running. And it was for a cause, but it wasn't fulfilling you or wasn't no. really working in the health way. No. It, it was better than nothing. 
um, but it, it there was a better option out there for you. So I think being open to other people's stories, like, hey, Juhi, what did you yeah. do? Yeah, and she was she's a runner too, and yeah. it, it changed her running game like immensely. Yeah. Um, for me, I like running like short distances, but I just you know. So what I would do was go through the season doing the training, um, you know, minimally kind of, and it just enough to get through the race. And then after the training, I would stop. The, yeah. I would stop running. And so that would affect my metabolism, and I think I would gain weight. So actually, the running probably served uh, in a in a negative way yeah. after the season was over. So the working out is just amazing, and I'm so happy about it. Uh, and I think the other takeaway is like we can't just sit there. Mm. We're we're not the generation of our parents and grandparents. We know now that we mm. have to as we are getting older you have to be active and you yeah. have to do things to keep your body from atrophying. Yeah. And so knowing that, you know, you, you owe yourself and your family, I think, um, that, yeah. you know, and I think we know to, we've seen to it. do something about your, your, your fitness. Yeah. I think it, the generational thing is right on in another way is that we're the first generation who's lived this dual, um, like high physical activity, it's in sudden shift to everything's on computers and everything's on your cell phone and everything's at your fingertips. You have to go out less. You could live off of Amazon and never go to any store. Ooh, that's like, so real. So this, this mobility that we um, used to practice all the time, that, that affects our health. And it so does. like you said, you can't just sit there. No. You actually have to say, I see what's happening with technology yeah. and, and our behavior and our patterns. And that's fine. That's all good. But then I actually have to change some things because of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually started going to the same gym. I saw how much you loved it. And I was like, I, I want a piece of that. I want to be that happy. I want to be that um, I, mean, I think satisfied. you said you could tell that it cha- it, it was a helping me physically. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, you looked. Yeah. Yeah. It so was that, definitely... that kind of meant a lot. You know, when people are saying, oh, my gosh, you look different. And really, the scale didn't change the way that I want. I mean, I'm still working on that. Um, it was more right. about like the shaping of your of uh, my physique, you know. Yeah. Um, and how you felt? You felt strong. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, feel strong. <laughs> yeah. So okay, good, good, good. Uh, so that's the some physical stuff. I mean, gosh, the decade is a. Uh, th- I think well, it's cool because Team World Vision we did start two thousand and ten. Yeah. So and that's I was gonna. I don't know. We're. No, that's I think good. We have Spiritual. A, a point or two left, but the the. Um, the last decade of participating in Team World Vision has been a, definitely a spiritual experience. Um, running a marathon or half marathon and fundraising for people in, in uh, for clean water is an act of service. Uh-huh. And re- uh, however you look at it, when you're serving someone else, something's happening spiritually within you. Yes, for sure. And so I just, I think that, I'm, I'm not sure what the lesson is, it but I, I know that I found great spiritual fulfillment and very meaningful spiritual nourishment by running with this team. It's a crazy formula. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. when you run with people and you get together in this community at your group runs, um, you get this bond and you're kind of on the uh, same crazy mission and you do crazy things like run 13 miles or 26 miles. And yeah, it's definitely a spiritual and there's, there's, uh, engagement yeah 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 and you you do you can mark because of the fundraising you can mark and point to 
I, I did something for someone else. Sometimes when you, uh, I just use the example of like tithe, you tithe to a church, mm-hmm. you don't really know where it goes. You know, it's helping the church and the vast, you know, array of programs. But this is clean water for another person, clean water for another person, clean water for 10 people. And then you're you're affecting whole communities, you know, and so that that's amazing to me. Um, I mean, it's the only thing that I've done for 10 years in a row. (laughs) 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 Uh, So I think uh, I think it's it's definitely and it's the church, you know, the church on its feet, you know, and I think uh, I think that means it's super meaningful to me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What do you think about that? Well, I love that that phrase, the church on its feet. Uh, But I was also going to say there's this lesson of when you're serving in the right way. Yeah. You can a decade can fly by like that because it's just something if it's part of you, if it's part of your identity, it's not yeah. a struggle. I think a lot of people, they think um, serving has to be uh, a real pain and a real inconvenience suffering. and a real <laughs> suffering. And there are those things. That's yeah. part of what service means. Yeah. But when you have, it's almost a calling. Yeah. When you have this calling, it nourishes you. Mm-hmm. As hard as it is, it gives back to you somehow. Yeah. So I think we found yeah. something. Yeah, and then it's funny. Uh, I, we don't even have this written down, but I was thinking about spiritual, uh, you know, the church and spirituality. And then, like, we did this thing. We did BWT. It was sort of a ministry, right? But we never looked at it as a ministry. Yeah. But then, like, uh, uh, when Lanston came to us and said, hey, can you guys speak at this marriage conference about yeah. your relationship, inter- your interracial relationship, and then how society pushes back on you? I was like, oh, my gosh, that turned into a ministry? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that, that to me was something that I hadn't anticipated, but it brought me, inv- re- in, it, it invigorated me because I was feeling a little bit spiritually um, like asleep or something, mm-hmm. you know, because I wasn't... Um, numb. I was a little numb and like needing something and I and wondering what it is and if it was me and you know and then that happened and I was like oh there are there are I think we are at our best when we're giving back mm. and and so sitting passively in church is okay because you're receiving something yeah. but when when we're actively doing the work and I think that is what makes my spirituality come to life so because I, I think, um, to be honest about this last decade or about my personality period is I'm not your, I see what Christianity is, you know, in many different people. Yeah. And I rarely fit into those, um, that, those personas, you know. Yeah. And so I tend to feel um, kind of, I don't know, I guess bad. Yeah, like alienated. Alienated, yeah. like the, 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 the bad Christian or whatever. And then when you're, <laughs> so this, it, it, it helps, you know, Team World Vision um, satisfies something that, you know, yeah. and then also with the ministry with Lanston we're, uh, that we're going to be still involved in. Yeah. Um, I think that that makes a difference. So my spiritual life, I'm always, I'm always trying to make sure that I don't, lose anything that I uh, that's essential to me being the kind of person that I feel yeah. like is godly you yeah. know um, and that's work you know yeah. so well said well said um, I had one other note here on kind of an occupational insight or do we have time for that yeah because no <laughs> it's fine <laughs> <laughs> okay so I'll jump in yeah so 
in terms of something I've learned about work or being fulfilled in an occupation, um, I'm in these innovative environments. It means we're always thinking of something new to do in schools. Mm-hmm. And so, one, that means you're trying things that are new. Mm-hmm. That means you're failing. That means people don't understand what you're doing because it's not what we did 10 years ago or five years ago or even last year. And I just realized that that requires a commitment to be courageous. Yeah. And then it's been a long time. The La- last 10 years in terms of work and you think like Oof. I've worked in um, – Gosh, I was a consultant in Riverside, Santa Ana, and Fullerton. And so you have this this feeling of being kind of like um, uh, not a warrior, but like a, on a mission and you're traveling and you're always moving and you can't rest and you're always looking for the meaningful work in innovation. Yeah. There's meaningful work in education. Yeah. And some people work in the same district their whole lives. Yeah. But I'm here to tell you if you're in education, uh, in, excuse me, in innovation, you're probably going to have to move because you can't innovate in the same place over and over and over. You're going to upset people because th- it yeah. means you're upsetting the apple cart. Yeah. Um, and I'm not talking about technology. I'm talking about innovation, really. Just period. Taking practice, changing attitudes. Changing attitudes. Yeah, being open to, to, to doing di- things differently. Yeah. I think that's true and being courageous. And I've seen you be courageous. I mean, I think that you're, you've been a good example in our household of – Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first of all, you've never been without work for <laughs> <laughs> okay. any long, long period of time. Uh, but anyway, so that's nice. But I mean, more like, I mean, in your job, people really love you. Like in uh, your, I think the innovation part, they see you as that guy that is like going to bring the energy, bring the, in, the something new um, and bring like whatever they have, you bring them up mm. and their, um, their activities to life. Yeah. You know, um, because you've done that. You've been that kind of community, not community, but uh, that district um, voice, yeah. you know, through your photography. You, you get to use yeah. photography, you know, yeah. at work. And that's yeah. kind of amazing. I think um, for me, I, I, I copy that because being courageous at work is kind of hard. Um, mm-hmm. It could be anyway. So I think for me, and I'm going to be kind of quick, is when you're ready to give your expertise, give it and see what happens. Don't be voiceless. If you truly sense your voice being silenced or your intellect being not appreciated, find a way to change that. Yeah. Um, and I think that for um, for me, that's what my my message is about the workplace. Yeah. Because um, you're looking for real, authentic, honest engagement with people and ideas. Yeah. And so often work falls into kind like of pettiness a pattern. And yeah. this petty. <laughs> a petty pattern. And then it's funny because you could be around people that totally bring out the best in you and yeah. then you can get caught up in work stuff that's like totally petty. And that side of you that is like that can also come out. Yeah. And so you really have to actively be aware of where you're positioning yourself and who you're around and what you're saying. And it's constant. It's like continuous. I am definitely not uh, a role model every day on this front, you know, but I do, yeah. I'm conscious of like trying to make sure that I'm in those, that I'm doing, being the positive person that I'm supposed to be. Yeah. You know, Same. So. that's a great lesson for me too. I mean, we all get caught up in, you know, kind of, you know, moaning and complaining and, and we have it so good where we're at and mm-hmm. just looking for, you know, change the things that you want change, be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah, that's like, it, it's not a, I hate when things become a cliche because yeah. they're like, they become that because they're pretty yeah. powerful statements, you yeah. know. Uh, that's a real, that's real. Be the change you want to be. Uh, so, yes. Yep, yep. I think we did really good on uh, sharing our decades. Oh, gosh. I bet yeah. we have, we could talk for another, what, two hours because, Lessons you know. Lessons learned in a decade. 
Yeah, it's so fun because you learn every. You're always learning, yeah. and I think that's the the uh, joy of life and the energy from you know is yeah. that like oh I learned this I learned that I'm, I'm you know. Yeah, it was interesting to chart out like by year what happened and some just made major life things, and then you start realizing there's life lessons all along the way, and okay, which ones are you gonna prioritize? Like that was an interesting exercise just to. It's almost like sifting. You're trying yes. to find the nugget that's going to be the most meaningful yeah, thing to share. Yeah, and then not to be perfect. I hope that's not what anybody got. That oh, they think no. I think um, one of the things oh, I'm yeah. to highlight is that I still I have a memoir that I have not finished. I have a novel that I finished a draft of. I am not done. Um, I know people that have finished two or three books in this yeah. time that I'm trying to write my one. And I just want to say that um, I still at this moment today I've I'm learning to love myself despite that um, a- accomplishment is something I want to complete yeah, that it's not done sure. yet because what else are you going to do? You're not going to, you're only one person. You can't split yourself in half and then um, be okay with not liking that part of you. You know, yeah. um, you can, That's you can so be, true. you can continue to work on it and be frustrated and all that, but don't take it to your soul. Like this is, yeah. uh, this is your identity as a failure or something like that. And I've done that. Yeah. So I'm just saying that in no way have I spent a decade, um, not in fear or not in some sort of self uh uh like hating myself because i haven't done something right. and it's a constant struggle and it's constant like meditation and prayer and uh what can i do what can i do to to improve and part of that is we started a writing group or i did yeah. um as i you know making sure that you're in communities realistic communities that are going to help you reach your goal and that's part of it um you know i just so that's that's how i want to maybe end what yeah. about you Wes? no that sounds good no i think we've covered a lot it's good to reflect and um i think i i want to kind of write these lessons learned like the kind of a short form and post it on my mirror and just remember mm, like commi- yes. commitment to courage oh yeah you know meaningful service things like yeah, that that yeah. you just yeah that's what the last 10 years gave us in terms commitment of commitment to courage commitment to being yeah. honest commitment yeah. Like those, there's there's some things that I think are life um, that that we can stand on yeah. that'll keep us firm and in, it in should, our behavior. The, the decade in the past should be a foundation to move up, you know, and not just repeat the same lessons. <laughs> but yeah, you know, some use lessons that. are never. I think I think you're right. I think that these lessons are going to help us achieve what we need to do. But I think some things just recur just because of human nature, yeah, you know, and some days true. you're going to be like, I'm, I'm on it. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And then somebody's going to say something that is an attack yeah. on, on everything that you just worked hard on, you know, yeah. and that you think you're over. And so I think some things are, are constant. Like uh, you have to keep working. You have to keep working. That's what this life series of lessons. Yeah. I feel like life is a series of lessons. Yeah. <laughs> some of them you relearn and, you know, you're learning yeah. over and over and sometimes you get become like just yeah. you know you get over it for sure well this yeah. has been good yeah yeah all right that's episode one of season three bwt but we're together podcast thank you for joining us yes thank you for joining and, us uh, visit itunes leave us a five-star rating and review we appreciate you if you're listening on anchor there's a way to sponsor us or give a, a donation um, we actually have somebody who sponsors us uh, and we're so grateful for <laughs> no that. we have more than that um, and so <laughs> check that out and uh, connect with us on social media yep. uh, we will talk to you soon yes peace out bye